All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on another episode of Connections Cafe. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Kedma O. Kedma, mm-hmm. can you, am I saying that correct? Yes, you are. Okay, awesome. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what you do. Wow, that's a that's a tall order. <laughs> uh, simply put, I mean, who I am, I'm a mom, I am an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, um, and I'm a fifth-generation entrepreneur, which is quite rare. So I've been uh, negotiating as young as five or six years old. And uh, what I do today is really open the gateway for uh, entrepreneurs, inventors, hobbyists, and small businesses to really level up their business knowledge. So I definitely am a business consultant. And the subset of that is I'm an expert in targeting funds. So I focus on finding hidden money and hidden grants and hidden resources so that they have a better time in executing what they want to do. That sounds really promising, actually, especially for small businesses, especially for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs just starting out. It doesn't make sense to leave money on the table if it's available to you. Exactly. Um, and I did go onto your websites and I did look at some of the different aspects of the business that you work mm-hmm. with. Can you tell us a little bit more about the types of funding that is out there that people may not know about? Yeah. Well, it's twofold. So um, during the daytime, during the week, I am privileged to be um, vice president of business coaching for a company called Conquer. And all we do is we segment to the home service industry. So people who are in any kind of business to support home services, plumbers and window cleaners and pest control companies, we get the honor of working with them. Uh, The bigger picture, of course, is what you said, who do we serve and who do I serve when it comes to funding? And uh, the easiest answer is I really focus on small business, but according to the SBA, small business is 500 employees or less. Generally speaking, most people who are connecting with me have 50 employees or less. They've already extended their access to capital with traditional lenders or credit cards or friends and family, and now they don't know where to go next, and that's how I step in. So from a perspective of funding, we truly target who they are as an individual and then go after funds for that. So for example, just today, Google came out with a commitment for over $50 million but very specific grants and funds for the black owned businesses. Mm. And so that's very targeted, right? And so the reality is, is that every single fund that I can identify for a client has variables that are specifically tied to getting those funds. And so it depends on the variables, but essentially we help clients find funds for their particular situation. I see. And let's let's back up a little bit. How did you get started in this? Obviously, you know what you're doing and you're in tune with the industry. What led you down this career path? Right. Well, I would love to tell you it was because I have my master's in business, which is not the reason. I would love to tell you it's because I spent 20 years on and off working for the Small Business Administration, but that's actually not the reason. The reason is, is because I found myself in a predicament back in 2001, I was in a situation where I had to leave a very difficult relationship. I was in Arizona and I had to make the decision to file bankruptcy. 
which is a very difficult decision, especially if you have knowledge uh, around finance and you have business acumen to make that decision. But I really did not have choice at that moment. And I remember sitting on the curb, sobbing my eyes out after just filing bankruptcy and thinking to myself, how do I move forward? Because I didn't have access to friends or family or opportunities. I just basically you know, committed in some respect, financial disaster by going bankrupt. And what happened was two weeks later, in my little apartment, I received a envelope from Capital One. It was a credit card for $200. And I remember thinking to myself, why would they be sending me a credit card? Because I just filed bankruptcy. And then I had this aha moment, because I remembered as a little girl, I used to play a game, Monopoly. I'm sure you've played it. And what I know about Monopoly is no matter how bad it looks on the board, if I could just get past go, I would get $200. And I said, well, what if I gamify this? What if the universe just brought me back into the Monopoly game? And could I use this $200 to change my life around? Well, that actually inspired me to go on a journey to uncover every fund and every resource and every grant available to people who had this situation happen to them. And I reverse engineered it. I helped thousands and thousands. I've helped more than 10,000 entrepreneurs. And, uh, and then in 2019, uh, McGraw-Hill offered me a publishing deal. And that's how my book created. So the end of the story is this. The reason I'm so knowledgeable is because I became a product of my own book. I was the one who went through the struggle and then figured out what it takes to come on the other side. Yeah, that'll do it. Really, the first exposure I had to you was on LinkedIn. I mm -hmm. treat LinkedIn like Facebook, right? As mm -hmm. uh, professionals, we kind of have to be on their vigilance about you know trends. And yeah. uh, I noticed that you consistently put out contents, and it's new contents, it's difference, and not just that, but the engagement on that content is always high. So it's in reactions, and it's in comments, or uh, conversations within the comments, or shares, all that kind of stuff. Is that a large part of your, your business development, or how does that, does that play into your role? That's a great question. I think it is part of who I am as a person, and that I don't have a fear in showing up as who I am, but I come from a place of kindness. So for example, today's engagement uh, was a very simple post, but just in what I choose. So words are so powerful. Uh, I, my language of love, if you follow this great book, uh, The Five Languages of Love, is words of affirmation. And I feel that so many times we use different platforms and we're not careful on the actual language we're choosing and i want you to imagine that that language is a radio frequency and depending on the, the words you choose and how you formulate that is going to drive who wants to listen to you so when i make a choice to post i'm very sensitive to that so today's post was very simple and i'll tell you my reason behind it as I look at different platforms, it almost feels like we are in a world right now where there's a lot of, um, you know, uncertainty and, and frustration and, and also a very acoustic experience and well just justified. I came from a different perspective and I wrote on my uh, post, a flower 
doesn't compete with the next flower. It just blooms. And then I wrote, your true competition is the next best version of yourself. What will it take for you to reach that goal? So what I try to do is I try to watch and listen and um, understand where people are at. And then I take a different position. Because I think there are always two or three or four ways to see a situation. And I like to come from a different perspective. How did you come up with that that's very uh, that's very unique first of all and that's also very that's very thoughtful i don't think or maybe not thoughtful but mindful right i don't think a lot of people especially not myself i should say really put a whole lot of thought into the tone of my of my posts obviously it's working out really well but how did you arrive to this formula yeah Well, when I tell you how simple it is, you're going to say, I don't believe you. Like, oh my God, it's so simple. Really how I came about is I am really in tune with the child within me. If I am not doing, you know, business coaching and metrics, I'm usually in the, in the space of what I call my seven-year-old child. And when you think about young kids, five and six and seven, they're not afraid of being who they want to be. It's the humans at the adult level who challenge it, right? So the seven-year-old that says, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. The parent's like, well, honey, you know, that's not really realistic right now. And so I come from a perspective of, you know, what if we were all playing in the sandbox and we were all at this playful age, how would I show up in the world then? And what my job, my job on any social media platform is to build trust, to build transparency, and to build a a space where someone says, you know what, I feel comfortable actually receiving information from this person. And if you're not really mastering the power of what you say online, then you're missing the entire purpose of, of communication. And so, it comes from a very mindful place that I know that everything I, I actually communicate out is going to reflect back who wants to listen to me. And you, you're, you sound so passionate about this and you, you know, I can clearly tell that you are, what would you say are the best parts of your, of your job? Um, my number one best part of my job is I can very, very quickly Actually, even within one or two sessions, I can break down whatever noise someone is hearing and put them into harmony. I just know that's my gift to the world. So people could be working on a path and struggling and having barriers for 10 years. And I can just visually see what needs to happen. And then I create a plan for them. Now, whether they execute on that plan is really not up to Kedma. (laughs) That's not my job. My job is really to introduce opportunities and options. And so I can really quickly gain trust and transparency. And once you can gain trust from someone who says, she has my back, she's not gonna let me fail. She knows where I wanna go. Then the world is open to unlimited possibilities. But it is the fact is, is that we hold ourselves back and then we blame everyone else for it. When I was 17, right before going into college, I had a job selling knives door to door. 
it was for it was for Cutco cutlery. I didn't know at the time that it was a, a pyramid scam, but oh, oh uh, no! But and it didn't turn out well. Anyway, the the manager of the branch I was at kept saying uh, this phrase over and over and over. He, he kept saying, "No one cares about your success more than I do," right? And to a lot of uh, kids that are just in college, just entering college, that means a lot. So I think trust is a huge part of any sort of relationship, especially a business one. Absolutely. And and I would add a couple of things. Number one, I always tell my clients, my job is to help you become the best version of who you are. That's who we're competing against. Number two, I always say you have every right to question where you're getting information. Because in a sea of people who advise, it's not all equal. And so one of the struggles people have is who to trust with information because based on the decision of getting that information, it's going to affect their next step in the game. So I'm really clear about empowering them to trust their gut and also verify because they have to figure out how to decide which dream team should help them actually create their dream. And this might sound like a stupid question, but how do you create trust? How do you, is that something that you have a formula for, or is it just through getting to know someone? How how do you do it? All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot (laughs) right off the bat. uh, Whatever your gut is, do you feel like you can trust me? Yeah. Why? I have known you through your LinkedIn. Then you also are very passionate when you speak. And mm-hmm. we're speaking about your, your career, your business. And usually people who are passionate about something believe in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you weren't, it would resonate as being skeptical. Exactly. And that's not someone I want to invest my uh, time or money with. Exactly. So how, do, so how do people reflect and how do I get immediate trust? all sorts of ways if we wanted to break down how the brain does decide to trust a, a stranger. Number one, it's can you relate to that stranger? So if we had to quantify what trust looks like, we can very quickly look at elements that create immediate trust. So the first is, if you were trying to establish trust with a stranger, you have to be very comfortable being transparent and vulnerable. I immediately start my stories with how I actually went through my suffering and turned it around. And I have two major stories. I have my story of why I wear my superhero cape, which is a very difficult story because I had to go into hiding for five years and I had a real villain. Yeah. And That's a very powerful story. And I'm careful how I share that because you have to, you know, you share something really intense and the audience or the individual wants, wants the story to win, right? They want the superhero to win. But my backstory was not a winning story. You know, I I suffered for 18 years until I escaped and went into hiding for five years. So when they hear that story, there's a media connection to say, okay, this person has gone through extremely difficult time and has found a way to serve others. And then my second story is the story I shared about how devastating it was for me to go bankrupt. So in both cases, I'm being very vulnerable and very transparent. The second thing is, is I am very 
positive because I do believe in that. And you can feel it because it represents everything that I am. So I, I in, intuitively, I communicate that in everything, in my voice, in my eyes, in my hands. And so you don't see me right now, but I'm using all three so you can feel that. The third is I know my content inside and out. I know my specific lane and I stay in the lane. I never say I, I do uh, something that I don't do. So I'm really confident. And then the last is I have tremendous results. Just on LinkedIn alone, I have over 100 testimonials. How many people on LinkedIn wow. have 100, over 100 testimonials? And these are real testimonials. I will not let anybody give me a testimonial if they had, have not been coached by me or they have not seen me speak. So if you, if you add all those four, that's what makes it really powerful. I'm really curious now, what is the superhero story? Yeah, that's a tough story. What I will tell you is, uh, I'll explain very briefly. I'll tell you that whenever I wear my cape on stage, which is my uniform, people who don't know my story will inevitably send me a message or they'll see me uh, in person and they may kind of mock the uniform. They may say, oh, that's so silly or that's a costume. However, after they hear my story, one of two things will happen. Either prior to social distancing, they will come up and ask if they can hug me or they will come up and tell me that that is the coolest cape that they've ever seen. And the reason they do that is because they made a judgment without knowing why. So my story began uh, at a very young age and I like to say that each of us play into a movie. Uh, we always hope that the movie is exciting and fun and adventurous, but my movie began very dark. Um, and I grew up in a, in a very uh, difficult uh, childhood environment. And I can tell you honestly, every single day, I would pray to, to God and the universe and any, any possible higher power to really come and uh, take me away from the experience. And what I began to learn is that week after week and month after month and year after year, nobody was showing up. And so I, I kind of lived in that awareness that I couldn't escape um, and I couldn't sort of deal with it. So it was a very difficult, I call us the lost children. It was very, very difficult when you're in a tremendous traumatic environment and you, you can't do anything about it. At the age of 18, I entered into a community college and my life changed forever. Um, I will tell you that I was, uh, it was an evening class. I was at the college, it was winter time and I received a 911 page from my therapist who never pages me. And I remember getting my books, running out of the college, heading to a payphone, which we had back then and calling her and saying, what's going on, Judy? Why did you page me? And she said, listen to me very carefully because he's on the way to the college and if he finds you, he's gonna kill you. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about my real villain. And I remember hanging up that phone, going back to the parking lot to try to find my vehicle and I was already too late. He was at the parking lot searching for me and the only two people that were in the parking lot was my villain and me. There was no one else. And I began to scream, but I was in complete terror that literally nothing came out. 
And I remember a little kind of sound in the back of my head saying, Kedma, you have to run, but I couldn't run. So what I did is I ducked in this parking lot and I went from car to car to car till I got to my vehicle, opened the door, took out my books, retraced my step, went back to the payphone and called the person I was seeing at the time for help. And that was the night that I, everything would change forever. Uh, I literally had no place to go. I couldn't go back to the environment. So over the course of about a week, a group of friends found me my first safe haven. It was a basement apartment. You had to go down 15 stairs. It was literally shut tight windows and it was infested with cockroaches and ants. And I would end up living there for five years. And another group of friends found me my first job, but I'll tell you what changed my life forever is remember it happened at the college. So I wrote a letter to the college pleading my case because I had nothing left to live for. And about two weeks later, they asked me to come to the college and sort of tell my life story, which I did. And I said, I've lost everything, my home, my family, my community. And the only thing I have left to live for is an opportunity for an education. They asked me to go to the secretary's office so they can deliberate. And in the secretary's office, I asked for a piece of paper and pen. And I actually wrote a letter to God. Now, the irony of that is I wrote a letter to this higher power that had never shown up in my life. And I said in the letter that I had everything has been taken away. I have nothing left. But if there was a way for me to get an education, then I will spend the rest of my life opening doors to every single person I meet. And two hours later, I was summoned back in. This woman stood up, called me by my first name, said, I'd like to shake your hand and tell you we're giving you a full scholarship. Now, why this, this is so important is I have been committed to that contract that I wrote 30 years ago. And in 2019, when I wrote my book, Target Funding, I dedicated the book to the college that saved my life. So, my story actually fuels why I do what I do with such intensity, because I feel like a group of strangers gave me a chance to live out my life, and I never will disappoint them. I will always show them that as a result of believing in me, this was the results that came out. That's amazing. I don't think many people have ever really experienced that kind of unconditional kindness. And then I have only two more questions. And the first one is, can you teach us something in the next four minutes? And the second one is, what advice would you give your younger self? I can share both, whatever works for you. I, I would love to hear anything and everything you got, to be honest. <laughs> so in four minutes, what I would tell you is this. There's a funding party happening every single day of the week. Your job is to figure out how to actually capitalize on the funding party. So in my book, Target Funding, I break down how I find money, 15 years of knowledge and sweat and blood to figure it out. What I would tell you in the next few minutes, I want you to start jotting down for yourself and every other listener, all the possible variables that are tied to you. So think about variables like this, where your business is located is a variable. So your city, your state your county, those are three variables. Your gender is a variable, that's a variable. Your ethnicity is a variable. So if you identify as 
a black owned business or Hispanic owned or um, Native American. All of these are variables. Your industry that you support are variables. So I want you to sit down and sort of come up with all the possible variables. And then here's the fun part. You're gonna do a little test. You're gonna go on Google and you're gonna look up something really easy. You're gonna say, okay, for example, I'm a woman owned business and I'm interested in funding, but I want to target uh, funds that are coming out of New York City because I'm based in New York. So you're gonna go onto Google and you're gonna target it using the right keywords. So you're gonna say, woman business grants New York City. So the key to getting the funds is to know the right terminology and then see what happens. I guarantee you in the first three pages, you're gonna find funds you didn't even know existed. So that's what I can offer you in the first four minutes and to really understand that there is more out there than just credit cards, friends and family, and loans. Previously, I worked in an accounting firm doing tax credits for small and large companies, right? And exactly like you said, there's so much, there's so many different avenues of, of funding. So again, if you live in a specific, within a specific zip code, you can qualify for something. If you Correct. hire, you know, a person for, that's a veteran or that was previously on food stamps, that's another variable. So exactly. it's, pretty, it, it's pretty amazing how much of this money gets left behind. Exactly. And the thing about it is they don't know. It's what I call the hidden funds until they have a funding navigator. And I get so excited when someone calls me and says, I can't believe I just got a $10,000 grant because you told me about it. I'm like, it's like, so it's, I can't even tell you how it feels, but it feels like I'm helping them change the game, not only in their business, but generationally for their family. Yeah. Okay. And then the second question is, what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh, that's a tough one uh, because my younger self wanted to leave the world at a very young age and I never thought I could actually have any impact in the world. So I guess what I would say to my younger self is um, hold on, hold on because um, you are going to help change a lot of lives and that you need to go through this struggle. How, how, however difficult it is, because in doing so, you'll be able to help people who are going through tremendous struggle. Mm. That's good advice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and lastly, what is the name of the book and where can people find it? Yeah, so it's right on Amazon, Target Funding. Um, it's really just uh, Target and then Funding. And then my website is Kedma O. If I always say if you find another Kedma in the world, run. There's only one of me. Uh, and then, as you know, I love LinkedIn. So uh, it's really easy to find me. Uh, so that's that's probably the quickest way. And then obviously through you. So anybody who connects through you can connect through me. And I will be sure to include the Amazon link for your book, your websites, and your LinkedIn. So people can also hit up the show notes for that information. Awesome. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Connections Cafe. All right, guys, as always, stay safe out there. 